0: Stories with unexpected twists and turns seem to be all the rage these days, but what about a story where even the writers don't know what's coming? Welcome to The Story Symphony, the collaborative fiction podcast where each chapter of the story is written by an entirely different person. You, the listener, won't have any idea what to expect next. And neither will we, the writers. So strap in and let's see where The Story Symphony will take us today. You're listening to the final chapter of this season, A Fire Inside, by Angus Brown. And here we go. Help!
1: Everyone jumps. The crackle from a walkie talkie is never pleasant, but when you follow it with the sound of a digital ghost screaming at you from their own personal nether realm, it might as well be a gunshot.
2: Kyle! Kyle, are you okay? Laura, uh,
1: it's Laura, she's here, she's... I realise I'm straining for breath. The heat, the effort of moving Laura, it feels like there's no air. Why do I need air? Aren't I... Whatever I am? I'm spiralling. I realise it, but I also feel like I can't do anything to stop it. The heat is just making it so hard to think.
2: Kyle, can you still hear me? Yes, it's... I found
3: Laura, outside. She collapsed in the heat. I brought her in, she's... I think she's unconscious. Vanessa, I'm so hot. Why am I so hot?
1: Vanessa looks over to Al and Apollo. All three of them have a carbon copy of the same worried expression on their faces.
4: What do you mean, hot? Like, hot, Apollo. Like, what do you mean, what do I mean?
1: Al takes a step forward and looks up to the ceiling like he's trying to commune with the dead, which... I guess.
5: We mean, what kind of sensation are you feeling? Does your skin feel like it's burning? Does it feel like a warm day? Are you sweating like you've been running or or like you have a fever? Uh, Like an oven.
3: I feel like my whole body is in an oven. God, there's no air. I I can't think straight.
2: I I think I'm going to lie down. No! Kyle, listen to me. You can't lie down. You can't go to sleep. We'll never find you. It's too hot. Ugh, I'm
3: sorry. God, why aren't you all sweating? It's so hot.
4: Kyle, we're not hot. This building is climate controlled. It's 22 degrees in here.
1: Even as my cognitive ability shuts down from the heat, I can understand what she's saying isn't good. If a group of people are all in the same room, and one of them feels like they're on fire and nobody else does, then that person is sick. What's wrong with me? Vanessa turns to Apollo and her demeanor changes from concerned to someone who's running mission control for a shuttle launch.
2: Have you got it ready?
1: Apollo hands her a band of metal that looks similar to the thing she made me touch in the garage earlier, only now it's in a circle and it looks like a big dog collar.
2: Get all the equipment we have completed and loaded into the car now. We're leaving in five minutes. Leave everything that's not field ready, we don't have time anymore. Kyle, can you see what I'm holding?
1: Yeah, it's
2: a, it's a collar. Exactly. Now come over here and put it around your neck. Do it now.
1: The heat has taken every ounce of strength I have, but saying no to Vanessa right now seems impossible. I had no idea the power of the woman I was dating. She's managing a team of geniuses, building super weapons, preparing to take on a terrorist organization and liaising with ghosts. And to look at her, you'd be forgiven for thinking she was organizing a picnic.
3: Wait, what does this call do?
2: It should emit a field that makes your form visible to us. It should also create enough positive tension so that you touch most things. It probably won't work on people, but just about everything else should be covered. It works by well. It works. Hopefully.
3: You stopped explaining because I wouldn't understand the explanation, didn't you?
2: Please, just put it on.
1: I gingerly slipped the metal ring over my head and felt a tingle run through my whole body. Sort of like getting pins and needles except all over. And instead of feeling painful, it felt good. Really good. Like a million little massages. I clenched and unclenched my hands. It felt amazing. The tension creating a spike in the massage-like sensation. I saw what looked like a blue haze making an outline around my hands and my arms and Everywhere. It looked like someone had drawn a chalk outline around my body, but in electric blue glow-in-the-dark lightning paint, the tingling sensation and the glowing outline made me feel like a superhero. I felt amazing. No. Wait. It wasn't the sensation that was making me feel amazing. It was the heat. Or, Or the lack of it. It was gone. It was immediately gone.
5: Holy shit.
1: I looked over at Al, who was looking at me. Directly at me. His eyes were wide and his mouth was sort of half agape, half smiling. I looked to the others and saw everyone staring at me. Directly at me. They could see me. Norton walked into the room carrying some equipment and froze in his tracks when he saw me.
0: What? uh, Is that Kyle? Uh, Uh, take photo.
1: Al's watch flashed an amber light at me.
3: You can see me, right?
4: Uh, yeah. Kyle, we can see you. Well, I guess that's you.
5: Yeah, we can see you. Only, you look like this.
1: Al tapped the top of his watch and a holographic projection of the photo he took appeared, floating on top of the watch and slowly rotating. The camera had also captured Vanessa in the picture, which was the only reason I knew it was the photo Al had just taken, because I wasn't in it. Standing in front of Vanessa, in the photo, was something the same height and shape as me, but it was just an outline of neon blue electricity wearing a metal collar just below where the head should be. The whole thing looked jagged and sharp and dangerous looking. I looked like something out of a Doom Patrol comic, not a personal trainer who was just trying to take his girlfriend on a holiday. I turned back to Vanessa who seemed to be shaking herself back into action. She grabbed the walkie-talkie and used the clip hanging on the side to clip it to my collar. Now I had a voice box. I was practically a man again.
2: All right, we have to move now. Everyone, let's go. Wait, Laura.
1: I felt like such an asshole. I was so excited to have a shape again, I forgot all about her. She was still lying on the ground where I left her and I ran over to her side. She was still and her eyes were closed and there was heat coming off her. So much heat. Do you have a collar for
2: her? No, we don't have the materials here for another one. Is she all right?
3: No. She's still unconscious and she's so hot. It feels like she's emitting heat.
2: We can share the collar. Kyle, wait. We don't know if you'll immediately go back to being that temperature if you take it off. The sudden shift could be catastrophic. It could destroy you. What about Laura?
3: She can't keep going like this. Laura. Laura, wake up. Laura.
1: Nothing. I opened up her eyelids with my fingers.
3: Oh my God.
2: What's wrong? Kyle, what is it? Her eyes. She doesn't have eyes. What? Her
3: eyes. They're gone. It's fire. Her insides. They're fire.
1: Instead of eyeballs, what lay inside Laura's head were two pools of fire. Flames licked out of the sockets. The heat was immense. Even with the collar on it hurt to be that close to her.
2: Go. Now. Now. Kyle, we have to leave right now. What's happening to her? I don't know, but Kyle, we, we, we can't help her anymore. She's dead. And if you don't come with me right now, you will be dead too.
1: Laura was starting to glow now, like someone had stuffed Christmas lights under her skin. I thought I saw fire coming out from under her fingernails. Vanessa was right. I couldn't help her. Human lightning bolt or not. I stood up and ran after the others. People were running around in all directions, trying to leave the building. Although everyone stopped dead in their tracks when they saw... me. I looked back at the building and saw smoke pouring out the door we had just exited. Everyone who worked in the building was standing around in the rain, watching the smoke pour out. All looking like they had no idea what was happening. Hell, I had no idea what was happening.
2: Come on, Kyle.
1: The group were all sitting in a van filled with the gear they had been making. Norton was behind the wheel, and Vanessa was leaning out the back door, frantically waving at me. There was a blinding flash, and then the food lab was gone. Flames exploded in all directions across everyone, standing outside as the giant glass windows blew out.
3: to Laura. Where are we going? Vanessa, what the fuck is going on? You know more than you're telling me. I
2: don't know for certain, but it's something that Elle and I hypothesized when we first started to truly understand how archiving works. Well,
3: illuminate me, please. Now, because I just saw your friend's insides turn into a fire pit, and you don't seem surprised by that.
4: Archiving is essentially creating a digital copy, right? Well... Anything digital is vulnerable to fire, to people Specifically to people who want to access the archives or delete them
1: Archiving made absolutely no sense to me the best of times what she was talking about now made less sense than that She seemed to pick up on this and try it again.
4: You understand the internet right? information going back and forth Yes and you understand that some people want to access information they're not supposed to or send damaging code to people, like a virus.
3: Are you saying
2: someone hacked
4: Laura? Well, for lack of better term,
2: yes. Not just Laura. You were burning up too. Your, your collar disrupted whatever they were doing. But I don't think it stopped it. We have to find them and stop it at the source.
5: Find who? Kyle. They set Laura on fire from the inside out. Who do you think?
1: Sometimes, it's no fun being the dumbest neon blue electric lightning ghost in the room.
3: What do we do if we do find them?
2: My equipment. We have to destroy it. I made it. They're my designs. We have to destroy all of it. No one can have access to it but me.
3: You mean no one should have access to it at all?
2: We have an idea where they might be storing everything. The plan is to go there, destroy the equipment and anything else we find there.
3: How could you have any idea where they are? Paul. But they have Paul.
2: Well they must not be very good at taking prisoners. Because while you were gone he sent us a picture message on the inside of the building. Not much but there's a building in the photo and based on the view we can guesstimate where it was taken. We're heading to that address now. And
3: you don't think that seems suspicious at all? The firefighters kidnapped Paul. Paul, who gave them your designs in the first place. And you don't think that getting a message, giving away the secret base of a terrorist organization might be a trap? We
2: don't have anything else, Kyle. Jesus Christ, this is only gonna get worse if we don't stop it. I know it's probably a trap, but I also know I'm smarter than every single one of them. And this is the best shot we're gonna have, so we're going.
1: Her fierceness stunned me. I had never seen her like this. Everything about this was wrong, but I couldn't stop her, and I couldn't let her go without me. Norton pulled up out front and turned back to look at us.
0: All right, guys, we're here. Listen, honestly, I really don't know how much help I can be.
2: It's fine, go. You've done enough.
1: Norton looked ashamed. He almost looked like he was going to cry.
0: (sighs) I'm just a food tech. Um. Well, good luck everybody.
1: And then he was gone. He was fast. He was around the corner and out of sight in no time. I guess I must have been a good trainer. I saw we were back in the desolate, forgotten area near the airport that Laura and I had walked through. Was that yesterday? A week ago? My grip on time was getting shaky. I took in the surroundings and saw a large, boarded-up warehouse that looked like just the place for a notorious group of terrorists to all up in. Vanessa and the others started pulling out equipment. Four of the newer, smaller, stronger fire vacuums... Some scanners that had settings that read thermal and infrared and Helsian, Plus a few other things that looked like little plastic boxes about the size of a tennis ball. And something that looked like it could have been an old style VR headset or a new style coffee maker.
2: Alright, Apollo, you're here at the gate. Whatever happens, keep a perimeter. Al, you're with us to the door. Then you plant those explosives around the base once we're in. And fall back to Apollo's location to help maintain perimeter.
1: She looked at me her eyes laser focused. Who was this military commander I was staring at? Did I ever know anything about her at all?
2: Kyle, I need you in there with me. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I can't let anyone else get hurt and... Space jump.
3: She
1: nodded gently, and for a moment her steely gaze softened and I saw the woman I knew. The one who sat next to me on the couch in her pajamas, yelling at the TV when she thought the wrong contestant was getting kicked off of Drag Race. I finished a sentence for her.
3: And I can't get hurt because I'm already dead. Well, dead-ish. And what's the point of being a sort of dead blue lightning ghost if you can't help your girlfriend stop a bunch of fire-wielding terrorists
1: once in a while? Vanessa looked up and smiled briefly before the sternness returned. She picked up the remaining two fire vacuums and held one out to me.
2: Okay, let's see if you can hold something other than a pen.
1: I reached out and grabbed it. It felt good to hold something, to feel the weight of something again. It made me feel more human. Let's go. We moved quickly through the main gate towards the building, and we were at the door and moving inside so quickly, I hadn't noticed Polo and Al drop off in their positions. Now it was just Vanessa and I inside what looked like a very big, empty building. I was about to ask her if we'd come to the wrong place, but she was already well ahead, climbing the stairs at the back of the room. By the time I reached the top, she was in the middle of the room pointing her fire vacuum at the head of an older man with short grey hair and a neat beard. Next to him, tied to a chair, was Paul, who looked like he'd been run over with a bus.
2: Paul! Let him go!
1: The man raised his hands to his chest to show he wasn't a threat and smiled gently. He seemed completely fine with the situation, and having a strange weapon pointed at his face seemed somehow humorous to
5: him. Hello, Vanessa. It's nice to finally meet you. He looked at me. Well, aren't you an interesting specimen? Who are you? My name is John Hillard. I do apologise for the condition of your friend here. The team that picked him up were perhaps a little overzealous, and regrettably he succumbed to his injuries approximately ten minutes ago. But in our defence, he has proven to be a particularly dangerous individual, or at least a very pesky one. You can lower your weapon if you like. A very impressive weapon by the way. I'm unarmed and alone and I think you might like to hear what I have to say before making your next decision. Where's the equipment? And where are the rest of you?
1: Vanessa was scanning the room side to side becoming more and more frantic with each passing second as she realized the room was almost empty. No weapons. No firefighters.
5: The equipment is stored safely in a facility. The location of which I'm unfortunately unable to disclose to you. Yet. As for the rest of us, I presume you mean the terrorist group who call themselves the Firefighters. They were arrested last week. It's widely publicised. I'm surprised you didn't hear about it in the news. Bullshit.
1: Vanessa pulled the VR machine coffee maker thing out of her bag and pushed a button on the side, then sat it on the floor in front of her.
2: Environment examined. Catalogue. Human life. Two. Equipment Roster, Combustion Reversal Unit, 1. Thermal Implosion Unit, 3. Undefined, 1. End of Roster.
1: Vanessa's face looked panicked. I knew enough to understand I was the Undefined and the equipment listed were the things Vanessa had brought with her. There was no base here. This wasn't the Firefighters' Headquarters. We were wrong. Hillard had one eyebrow raised and a wider grin than before. Why was this asshole always smiling? I was really starting to hate his stupid, smug face.
5: Combustion reversal unit. So, not a weapon then.
1: He reached into his jacket and pulled out a gun. An old gun. Like a revolver you saw in those old cop shows with bullets and everything. He pointed it at Vanessa.
5: I hope you don't mind if I reset the tone of this meeting a little then, please. Put the bag containing the thermal units on the ground and take a step backwards. That's the girl. You can also put down your weapon as well, if you don't mind. I really have no desire to injure you in any way, but I have gone to great lengths to have this meeting with you, and if I have to encourage you to listen, then so be it.
1: Vanessa did what he asked.
5: Vanessa, I'm not the firefighters. Not in any literal sense, anyway. The firefighters were a distraction a carefully placed one that was necessary to achieve something much bigger and much more important. Look outside. Things aren't going well right now, are they? You mean the rain? In part, yes. This planet has been sick for a very long time, and the rain is the most visible result at the moment. But I think the three of us are grown up enough to understand that this is just a surface-level byproduct of a much more consistent and concerning issue but that is not what the media promotes right now. What's the number one issue that's always on the news? Employment. Unemployment, to be more accurate. People are so preoccupied with automation taking roles from human employees that there's now a strong resistance to it. People have begun to hate machines, but we are so deeply enmeshed with technology now that to remove it wouldn't result in more jobs it would just result in financial and societal collapse. So we created a lightning rod for people's outrage, a focal point, and a talking point. The only thing people want to read about more than the job market is loud, bright, and violent explosions. I believe the newspaper men of old would have said, if it bleeds, it leads. The firefighters were theatrics, a show to put on to give the downtrodden something to cheer about and the wealthy something to rage against. But in effect, it served the same purpose for all sides. It made the anger and the frustration everyone is feeling more tangible. Anger, hopelessness, desperation. These are just feelings, but a burning building is real. You can smell it, you can feel it, you can touch the aftermath. And when you feel the anger rise again, you can point it in a direction. You can point it at the people who caused it.
3: So you are the firefighters?
5: No,
2: he's the government.
5: (laughs) Well, not officially. The president would never condone such an action should the idea ever be suggested. And of course, would have plausible deniability should he ever be questioned. But
1: he trailed off and gave a little shrug to Vanessa. She seemed to understand it completely. More than that, she seemed to accept it. The government created the firefighters to distract people from climate change and poverty by killing a bunch of
5: people, and she was okay with it?
2: So why did you want to meet me?
5: Your work, Vanessa. Your mind. Your brilliant, brilliant mind. The firefighters began as a distraction, a diversion tactic but we never could have dreamed that you would have entered the equation. Once we saw what your technology could do, how effortlessly you perfected it, it changed everything. We want you to come and work with us. We want to help you develop your ideas, refine them. Weaponize them? If the situation calls for it, yes. With your technology, we will help develop new arms for the military. We will create entirely new units that will require entirely new soldiers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your creations will create tens of thousands of jobs. Your thermal control techniques could be applied to countless environmental control divisions, creating hundreds and thousands of jobs. And that's just Australia. Who knows what else you could do for this mess of a planet.
3: If you love her brilliant mind so much, Why didn't you just offer her a job? Why all this cloak and dagger shit? And if you're so goddamn altruistic, then why is Laura dead?
1: Hillard looked honestly sad when I mentioned Laura's name.
5: I am sorry about your friend. We were simply trying to track you through the archives that were associated with you. But this is a new technology, and we didn't foresee that remotely interceding with the archive would lead to a catastrophic destruction of it. It was deeply regrettable. But again, something that you could help ensure never happens again. Vanessa
1: actually seemed to be considering this. I could see her weighing up everything Hillard had said and playing through the pros and cons. It was something I'd seen her do a thousand times.
3: Vanessa, you can't actually be considering this, even if everything he's saying is true. And I really doubt that it is. But if it is, The best case scenario is that this man aided in blowing up buildings and people and a fucking airport all for a news story. Vanessa, he just admitted to killing Laura.
2: It's not that simple, Kyle. You're reacting to all this based purely on emotion. Emotion? Vanessa, he killed your friend. But I could stop it happening again. I could stop it happening to you. Kyle, you've seen what I have to work with. Old parts from a polo shop, whatever scraps of information Al and I can pull together. To even build what we have here, I had to rely on a client of yours letting us use their equipment. But what if I had real equipment, a real budget? You would
3: just be building them things to kill more people with. You'd be giving them the designs to make
2: the tools to do it. Kyle, they already have my designs. Look at what the firefighters did with my equipment. I'm sure by now they've had the time to reverse engineer my equipment down to its bones and rebuild it in a thousand different ways. I don't know what they want to do with my technology, but I'm certain I won't have any control over it if I'm not involved. Vanessa,
3: listen to what you're saying. If you go with him, if you become one of them, you will be the firefighters. You'll just be a newer, more dangerous version. I won't let that happen. Neither will Al Apollo.
5: Your friends are already in a holding facility, not too far from here. I'm sorry, but we couldn't allow a couple of civilians to be running around the city with highly advanced explosive devices. Your other accomplice was also picked up a few blocks from here and has been taken in for questioning. You're going to kill them? Not at all. We're going to talk to them and explain the situation to them, just like we are with you. And should they choose to see reason, then they may be offered a position assisting Vanessa in her new role.
3: And if they tell you to go fuck
5: yourself? Then they will be charged with attempting to blow up a government-owned building for the purposes of creating terror and panic amongst the public. I imagine the media will most likely refer to them as the new firefighters.
1: My rage flared. This smug bastard was going to frame Alan Apollo. I looked at the fire vacuum that Vanessa had dropped on the ground. It couldn't do anything as a weapon but I guessed it would hurt like hell if I hit him in the face with it and his gun couldn't do shit to me. His full attention was on Vanessa now. He was reading her face trying to see how good of a job he'd done at convincing her to buy his bullshit. No! My hand and the fire vacuum was inches from his face, but I was frozen. Every part of me was completely and totally still. It was like someone had paused the movie mid-fight scene. Hillard looked at me pitifully, and then he turned to Vanessa.
5: A failsafe. Outstanding.
1: Suddenly, I was being raised up off the ground, floating and turning slowly, until I saw Vanessa standing, holding a small remote device in her hand which was pointed at me.
2: I'm sorry, Kyle, but you can't do that.
1: My mind was screaming, but no sound came out. Nothing happened. I might as well be a painting for all the sound I could make. Vanessa stepped forward and fiddled with the walkie-talkie on my collar, flicking a dial until I heard my robot voice come to life again.
2: What are you doing? I halted you. It's something Al and I built into the collar, just... just in case. In case of what? Kyle, you were going to kill him. Exactly! That's what you should be helping me do! No, I agree with Hillard. This is an opportunity for me to do something something big to really help a lot of people.
3: Help people? For
2: Christ's sake, Vanessa, look at Paul! Paul wasn't innocent in this. He made his own choices too. Vanessa! You sound like you've lost it.
3: Please, please, just stop and think about this. I have. I will never
1: let you do this. I know. She turned to Hillard.
2: The uplink you used to connect to the Archives, has it been shut down?
5: As soon as we realised the error, the link was severed completely. Yes.
1: Vanessa nodded and her eyes turned cold and determined. When she turned back to me, she was wearing an expression I'd never seen on her face before.
2: I really am sorry, Kyle. I hope you see one day that I'm right.
1: I started to respond but she turned off my walkie-talkie and with it, my voice. Then she slid the collar up over my head. The moment the collar was off, I fell to the floor. I could move again, but I couldn't speak. I couldn't touch anything. I was a ghost again. Vanessa turned to Hillard.
5: What now? Now? You come with me. There's a van waiting downstairs that will take us to the same facility that your associates are in. Once there, you will be debriefed. We will make some arrangements for you to move into a department. Your department. Vanessa!
1: Vanessa, please! Vanessa and Hillard started walking towards the door. Hillard picking up Vanessa's bag as he passed. They couldn't hear me. I fell to my knees and tried desperately to turn on the walkie-talkie, but my hands just flailed through the device over and over, slapping the floor below like a man in a desert, pouring at a mirage. Vanessa! Vanessa! And then she was gone. And I was alone alone and invisible.
2: Environment examined. Catalogue. Human life, zero. Equipment roster, zero. Undefined, one. End of roster.
0: The final chapter of the story was written by Angus Brown, a comedian, actor and writer who is known for writing the feature film The Dream Children and for appearing as butt Crack Guy in a Bond's underwear campaign. He lives in Melbourne with his wife, two children, cat and dog and has the least amount of authority out of everybody in the house, apparently. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at GusGusBrown or on Facebook at AngusBrownComedy So what did you think of Season 1 of The Story Symphony? Do the story and how you thought it would? Where would you have taken the story? Well, don't be a stranger. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Story Symphony to join the discussion. And maybe even get involved yourself. Kyle was voiced by actor and comedian Angus Brown, and again, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at GusGusBrown, or on Facebook at AngusBrownComedy. Vanessa was voiced by actor Maddie Tires, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Matty Al and John Hillard were voiced by actor Jimmy James Eaton, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Jimmy James Eaton. Katrina Apollo was voiced by actor Tess McCaig, who you can find on Instagram at Tess McCaig. I voiced Norton, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Adrian Young. And finally, a big thank you to Leanne Miyako for creating the artwork for the Story Symphony. Find her on Instagram at Things. Until next time.